Good morning. Please open your Bibles to John 8, 12 through 20. If you're using the Blue Pew Bible, it's going to be on pages 8 94. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisee said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not alone who judge, but I and the Father who have sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him, for his hour had not come yet. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his holy word. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, light of the world. Enlighten the eyes of our heart that we might be able to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. I pray that you would uh, open our ears to hear your word, open our hearts to receive it, believe it, and rest upon Jesus Christ alone. We ask in His name. Amen. How many of you already have your Christmas lights up? Anybody? Okay, a few of you. How many of you are planning to put up some Christmas lights of some kind? Okay, a few more. You know, Christmas lights have become so important because the lights symbolize Christ's claim that He is the light of the world. In our passage, Christ makes this claim. He makes it explicitly. This is one of those I am uh, passages in the Bible. In verse 12 He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What does Jesus mean when He says He is the light of the world? It's a very simple symbol, but it is rich with profound meaning. So, what does it mean? Well, first of all, very obviously, the symbol means that Christ is the one who dispels the darkness by His presence. When you walk into a room with a candle or a flashlight, the darkness flees away. The darkness is dispelled everywhere you take the, the candle or the flashlight. 
Likewise, everywhere Christ makes His presence known, darkness is dislodged. We live in a world that is cloaked in darkness. We live in a world where nations clamor for war, where the political class enriches itself on the backs of a populace it claims to serve. We live in a world where justice is neglected and where wickedness is preferred uh, to to God's standard of righteousness. Uh, We live in a world where the poor are manipulated for the benefit of the powerful. We live in a very dark world. And as much as we bemoan our own country's evils, righteousness has much more influence in our nation than in other nations. In Uganda, uh, when I was there, I had dinner in the home of a family who had hired a man to sit out on their porch with this gigantic gun to guard their house because uh, crime was so rampant. And anybody who uh, had any kind of, of, of money at all um, they had a wall built around their house, and on top of the, the wall was all this broken glass and, and, uh, and barbed wire and things like that to keep people out. And Uganda was much, much better off than many of the countries that surrounded it. Think about Sudan to the north. Think about Congo uh, to the west. Those nations are are in much, much worse shape um, ethically and, um, than, than even Uganda. And then Congo and, and Sudan are much, much better off than, say, Libya or North, North Korea. We live in a very dark world. We are fallen creatures. And I, I believe we continually underestimate the reality of the darkness of our world that has resulted from uh, our condition as fallen creatures. We, we continually live in darkness. And so it's easy to take for granted the fallen condition in which we live as, well, this is just the way things are. And so this is just the way things are supposed to be. Because we live in a dark world, we've developed uh, ways of, of coping, coping with the brokenness and sadness that is created by sin. And unfortunately, the ways we've created to, to cope with, with sinfulness in our fallen condition, uh, those ways of coping are unbiblical. They are dishonoring to God and they cheapen the grace of the gospel. You understand what I'm saying? Because we live in a fallen world, because we have to cope and we have to live from day to day, we find ways of over trying to overcome our fallen condition on our own. We try and find ways to to overcome our own sin, our own brokenness, and our own strength and our own reserve. And so, like I was telling the children a while ago. God despises the proud. He scorns them because 
when we try to overcome our brokenness and our sinfulness on our own, we are showing scorn toward God. And that is dishonoring to Him. That cheapens the grace of the Gospel that He offers to us in Jesus Christ when we think that we can do it all on our own. It's difficult for us to grasp what it would be like to live in a sinless world where righteousness is the norm. Uh, Last week I was uh, mentioning how Christ, uh, walking in the world, living in the world as a sinless human being, and how He must have stood out against the backdrop of our brokenness and our fallenness. When Christ comes into a person's life, He begins to shake things up. He begins to, things begin to make sense in that person's life. Whereas they were living in darkness and they had made whatever sense of their darkness, Christ comes into their life and things really begin to make sense. Their perspective is revolutionized. Their lifestyle begins to change. Their associations and their relationships are altered. This happens to everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ. The reason I'm saying this is because His light dispels darkness. His presence enlightens your mind. Uh, His friendship transforms the direction of your life. I'm speaking not only biblically, I'm also speaking from personal experience. I was raised in church. I heard the Bible preached week after week. I went to Sunday school regularly. I attended vacation Bible school each year. But I was dead in my sins. I could not see past my own desires and my own goals. And any goals and desires that others had for me, or that God had for me, I kind of gathered them up and made them uh, part of my own selfish desires. I was living in darkness, and I was quite content. And then I went off to college, and I had been looking forward to college because I was going to experience that unfettered freedom that I had so mightily longed for. I've told you about my testimony. You know what happened when I got off to college. I was brought face to face with Jesus Christ through a whole set of circumstances. I'm not going to go into them because you've heard them before. But I began to read the New Testament. And I began to read the New Testament with the the intent of trying to understand it. When I was younger, I tried to read the New Testament because my mom would pay me a quarter for each chapter of the Bible I read. And uh, it did not have a whole lot of, of impact on me because, again, her goals for me, wanting me to read the Bible were turned by my selfish heart into a way to make money. But I finally began reading the Bible in college wanting to understand it. And I met two people that I thought I knew. Um, first of all, I met the, the Jesus of the Bible, the real Jesus. Growing up, I had viewed Jesus as a heavenly bellhop who took care of all my earthly needs and even my heavenly needs. But I came to know Him as I read the Scriptures. 
as the sovereign king, as the glorious king of heaven who owed me nothing except his everlasting wrath. I came to realize that he was God and that I wasn't. Further, I learned that he loved sinners so much that he left heaven, that he came here to earth uh, to pay the just penalty that I, that I had incurred because of my sin. So I met Jesus Christ. The second person I met as I read the New Testament was I met myself for the first time. I'd never really paused to measure myself against God's standards for righteousness. And so as I'm reading the Bible, I began to understand that I was that I had more in common with these Pharisees that I was reading about than I had with Jesus Christ. I began to understand that I was a stranger to the concept of repentance as the Bible talked about repentance. I was good at saying sorry and for making people think I was truly sorry, but I began to realize that it was just an act to get along with other people. I found out that my will had never really been broken before God. I had disappointments in my life up to that time, certainly. But my will had never been broken before God. I began to see how monstrously selfish my heart really was. Even though others might view me as being a giving person and a generous person. And this newfound awareness of Christ, this newfound awareness of myself, came not from my powers of discernment, but it came only from the light of Jesus Christ shining into my life. He came into my life in the dark, the hidden, the unexamined corners of my life were exposed. Jonathan Edwards once said, When I looked into my heart and took a view of my wickedness, it looked like an abyss infinitely deeper than hell. And that's what it felt like when I uh, met Jesus Christ. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever experienced the light of Christ in your life? Has He shined the light of His presence into your soul? Have you seen the reality of your fallen condition? Have you known the extent to which your sins offend God? Have you understood just how much you need Jesus Christ? Just how much you need His redemption? Just how much you need His forgiveness? How much you need His righteousness? I fear that many are like me sitting week in and week out under the influence of Christ-centered, gospel-saturated preaching and teaching. And I'm not just talking here from the pulpit, but I'm talking about it in our Sunday schools. I'm talking about it in your own families. But never really desiring that Christ would come and shine His light into your life. R.B. Kuyper puts his finger right on the greatest problem that many people have when it comes to Jesus Christ. He says, So great is the depravity of unregenerate man that although there is nothing he needs more than the gospel, 
There is nothing that he desires less. And so people hear the gospel, but never really listen to it because they don't really desire it. What is the case with you? There's another sense in which Jesus is the light. He's the light that illumines the truth. He illumines the truth because He, of course, is the truth. Jesus told His disciples in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. There are several ways that Christ illumines the truth. But the primary way that He illumines the truth is by illumining and shining upon the person and glory of God the Father. Look at verse 19 in our passage. Jesus says in verse 19, They said to Him, Therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither Me nor My Father. If you knew Me, you would know My Father also. And so he's saying, if you knew me, you'd know my Father. You don't care to know me, so you don't care to know God the Father. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Colossians 1.15 says Christ is the image of the invisible God. And so when you read about Jesus in the New Testament, you're learning about God the Father. So in John 8 verse 19, when the religious leaders refused to listen to Jesus, He told them that they were refusing to listen to God the Father. Jesus was sent into this world by the will of God the Father. He preached and taught about the Father. He came to do the will of the Father by dying on the cross and rising from the dead. And then He returned to the Father. It is very common today, I guess it's always been the case, for people to say that they believe in God but they don't believe in Jesus. Or I believe in God the Father, but Jesus, He was just a very good man. Jesus says, people who say they believe in God, but not in Jesus, are deceiving themselves. But the truth that Jesus illumines is not just religious knowledge about God. I quoted from John 1, I mean from Colossians 1:15. Listen to verses 16 and 17 from Colossians 1. It says, "For by Christ all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together." Do you hear the scope of that passage? Christ is the creator of all things. All things were created by Him and for Him. This world exists and continues to spin on its axis because of Jesus Christ. In Him, all things hold together. 
All truth, in other words, is God's truth. All truth is Christ's truth because He is the Creator of everything. Unless you acknowledge Christ's supremacy as the Creator and Lord, it is impossible for you to have a unified system of truth. Unless you acknowledge Christ, you cannot make sense of your own existence. Nor can you have any basis for making ethical value judgments. You cannot know anything to be true without Christ as the foundation stone for your existence. Since our society largely rejects Christ as a source of truth, then what does our society look to for the source of truth? Well, we look to ourselves. Um, Self-centered humanity has become our source for truth. Do you want to talk about it philosophically? Um, We live in Immanuel Kant's world where he says that we give meaning to to our experience. You are out there and I receive the information or the data from you out there, I interpret you to be who I think you to be. And you are, in my mind, who I think you are. This is Immanuel Kant. And in other words, we then become the source of truth. You've heard the old saying, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? Well, of course it makes a sound because God is the Lord. That tree fell according to the will of God. God is there to hear that sound, even if no other human being is around to hear it. But, for a person who believes, as Immanuel Kant does, that we give meaning to our experience, that we create truth by interpreting the data out there, he would say, if there was no human being to hear the tree when it fell, then it, didn't, it did not make a sound. And that is so self-centered. We live in a world where, where we're, we're making self-centered value judgments. Now, since society needs a unified source of truth to exist, what are people doing for that unified source of truth? Well, we're increasingly relying on government institutions to arbitrate for us what is true or what we are to believe. And I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I can tell you that this is a trend that will not end well. So what is the source of truth for you? What is the ground and foundation for how you live your life and make your decisions? And that kind of sounds like a, a, an Immanuel Kant type of statement. What is, what is the source of truth for you? What is the ground and foundation for how you live your life? But to put it biblically, Jesus Christ is the source of truth. He is the foundation for how you are to live your life and make your decisions. If you 
have a different source, if you have a different foundation, then you are living rebelliously to Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what we believe. What matters is what God says is true and right. As I was preparing uh, this message, this message in in my my head, Matthew five fourteen through sixteen was like a rock, kind of tumbling around as I was thinking about this passage, because in Matthew five fourteen um, through sixteen, Jesus says, talking to his disciples, "You are the light of the world." You see why that's kind of tumbling around and, and, and was a little difficult for me. Jesus is saying in chapter 8, in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Now, in, John, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, He's saying, you are the light of the world. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is the light of the world, but here we see that we are the light of the world. And we, just like Jesus, is shining before others, and illumining the truth about God the Father, so we are to shine before others, so that they may see our good works and give glory to God the Father. So just like Jesus, our function as light is to reveal the glory of God the Father to a watching world. So then the question is, who's the real light? Is Jesus the light of the world, or are we? The answer is yes. Following Jesus is not just tagging along behind Him. Following Jesus means being joined to Him. When you follow Jesus, you have Jesus because Jesus has you. His light then shines in you. Look again at at, uh, John 8 verse 12. Jesus says, Whoever follows me, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So whoever follows Jesus will have the light of life. It's His light. It's His life in you because you have been joined to Him. Just like the moon has no light in and of itself, but it has the light of the sun. The light of the sun shines so brightly that it reflects off the moon and lights up the dark night sky. Does the light of Jesus reflect off of you so that you become a source of light in our dark world? Is it important for you to shine for Jesus? real tempting to say, okay, now here's how you go, here's what you have to do to make sure you shine. The thing is, and this is my concluding point, it's simply a result of faith in Jesus. If you trust Jesus Christ, He will shine in you. 
faith connects us to Jesus. Faith is like that power cord that stretches between the lamp and the um, and the uh, electrical socket. Faith is the conduit. And when you trust in Jesus Christ, you are plugged into Him and His light begins to shine in your life. So then the question is, are you shining? Because the real question is, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Because as you have faith, you will shine. Let's pray together. Father, I didn't address this point, but it is so much on my mind. From Isaiah 49, verse 6, you ask the question, Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept? I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. God, make us shine. Because of Jesus, the light of the world is in us. So that your salvation may reach the ends of the earth. Lord, help us to trust in the Lord Jesus. And I do pray for any here who have never really desired Jesus to shine in their life because they really don't desire Him. Break their hearts, God. Any who are holding on to sin, who who belong to You but are unwilling to let go of their sin, break their hearts as well. That Jesus Christ may shine in us. That we might be like a finely polished lamp set upon a hill. That there might not be any spots there might not be any blurriness to the reflection that we give off as we point people to God our Father who loves us so much that He sent Jesus to be our Savior. We ask in His name. Amen.